with you this morning. We're beginning a series called Elephants in the Room, addressing the topics we don't like to talk about. So, should I give you a minute so you can exit the back? Oh, no, you're going to stay. How awesome is that? (laughs) Um, So, about five months ago, Jamie and I were in staff meeting, and we began to talk about some of the things that we wanted to address and to encourage you in concerning the Word of God, concerning things that are going on in this old world that we live in. And so there are some hard topics out there, right? And I have one of the most difficult of all today to begin this session with, and that's the topic of abortion. Now, uh, I want to say from the very beginning, or in Alabama, as we say from the get-go, I want to say in the very beginning that if you're here this morning and if you've had an abortion, if you're male or female, because abortions aren't just affecting the females that have them, it's the fathers who lose children too. And uh, so if you're here this morning and that has been your life experience, the scripture is very, very clear. God loves you. And if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've confessed that, whatever the circumstances, then you are forgiven. It's as if it never even happened in your life. That's our loving, forgiving God. And so I just want to make sure that we get that clear from the beginning. God is a redeemer and you are forgiven. I have a missionary friend who was uh, ministering over in Russia a number of years ago, and he was preaching the word and nothing was happening. And he was preaching the word and nothing was happening. And they were doing praise and worship and nothing was happening. And so then uh, he just began to seek the Lord and he said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I can't get your spirit here and why the spirit's not moving. And so the Lord spoke to him and said, tell them that they are forgiven of their abortions. And he said, okay, I'll do that, Lord. Because, see, abortion is not just a United States problem. It's a worldwide problem. And so he stood up that night in the pulpit and he said, you know, I preached the word and now I just want to tell you what God has spoken to me by his spirit. I just want you to know, Brother Ronnie said, I just want you to know that God has forgiven you for your abortions. He said the whole place broke apart. Men, women, everybody began to cry. Everybody began to come to the altar. And the guilt and the shame of the sins of the past were washed away. And they had revival. (laughs) They had revival. So God is a redeemer. He's not out to punish us or keep us under under, um, the guilt and the shame of our past, but he is a redeemer. But this is a problem we need to address. And this is a problem we as a church need to know where we stand on. Amen? So you with me this morning? Awesome. Well, uh, as we begin to, um, as we begin to, um, so guys, you're going to have to help me. Yes, the clicker is working. It's all green. Okay, um, so we're going to talk about elephants in the room, and the there's I think there's three ways that we first of all initially approach elephants. The first one will be. Um, to just deny that the elephant's there. (laughs) We just deny that the elephant's there. And when we get the slide up, you'll see a man and a woman talking uh, and an elephant sitting on the sofa, and they're just saying, what elephant? (laughs) 
And that's kind of the way that we are. What elephant? And they're denying that it's coming. I think the next way that we approach elephants in the room is we make them a part of our lifestyle. Okay, this is the first slide. And so see the elephant sitting on the sofa, a place of honor. And the man and the woman are saying, what elephant? And so the first way that we deal with any elephant in our life, any elephant in this series that we're talking about will be to deny. And then the second way is to make it part of our lifestyle. If you would advance the next one. So in this next one, you see we've just painted up and decorated the elephant and made it look like the wallpaper so that we can sit on the sofa and read our book, and it's just a part of our lifestyle. It's a part of our lifestyle. And so when you're addressing an elephant, that's what you have to have to do. Okay, the next one. Yay, we're up and running now. Get the sound booth a hand. Yay. <laughs> Uh, so the next way that we address this, and this is the way we address it most often, is we ignore it. And uh, we walk around it, we walk under it, we walk up through it, and we ignore the elephant that's in the room. Now, this applies on many levels. It can be, as we're talking about abortion, or it can be just in any relationship that you have where there's an elephant between you and that other person. And so the third way that we deal with it is that we ignore it. Um, because of, and I think it's interesting that Jamie and I set up this series, set up this very day, five months ago. But most of you know that just this past week, there have been very four very inflammatory um, video releases concerning abortion in our country. And we are being forced to move out of this stage right here where we can no longer ignore it. And we can no longer ignore the, ignore the abortion industry that's going on in our country. Uh, not only the babies that are being killed, but also the profit and the greed and the gain that's being made off of those lives that are being taken. If you haven't seen those videos, you can check them out on YouTube. All you have to do is do Planned Parenthood, and they'll come up. And there are videos of people over cocktails bartering for the price of an aborted leg, arm, heart, kidney. And um, one of the heads of Planned Parenthood says, well, I want the most I can get. I want a Lamborghini. So I went to bed a Christian and woke up a Jew the next morning <laughs> as I thought about that. <laughs> Do you all know what I'm talking about? I had to deal with that eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth thing, you know. Um, but I just believe that people are deceived and that we don't need to be a part of that. But at the same time, we don't need to ignore that. So it's very current now. It's a very current issue. You may have noticed in the newspapers that there was a lion killed out in Africa. And everyone is uh, sobbing and very distraught over the lion. And people across America are standing up and saying, a lion... What about the millions of babies that we abort every year and are now selling their body parts? And so I think this elephant is on his way out. I think we are to the point where we are no longer going to be able to, think, to ignore that. The next uh, slide gives us a breakdown of the primary reasons for abortions. And um, I think one reason that we've lived in denial concerning abortion is because we, be, we believe the rhetoric 
that it was for those who had were raped or incest or because it was for the health of the mother or the health of the baby. But I'd like to show you the example, uh, this example, this pie-shaped graph of the real reasons, the primary reasons for abortion. Uh, 4% is for f fetal concern, and that's the baby's in trouble, that's 4%. Maternal health, that's the mama's health, is 3% of concern. And point, point, one percent is for rape or incest. So out of the big 100%, 7.1% are the things that would really soften our heart and make us concerned and make us even remotely be willing to see a baby not make it in this world. Now the other concerns, if you'll follow me around the pie shape, uh, career and school concerns, 4%. I'm at a good time in my career and I don't need a baby, 4%. Lack of maturity, 15-year-old gets pregnant, 4%, 8%. Uh, relationship issues, 9%. Now, all of those we might be soft on, but let me show you the 72% that's left. And this is mind-boggling. And this is something as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ we cannot ignore. 72% are basically using abortion as a means of birth control. 20% finished with childbearing. 25% can't afford the baby. 27% not ready, poor timing. And that 72% translates into nothing more than birth control for someone who's decided that they don't want to have a baby. Is that astonishing to you? That's not what you hear on the news media, is it? But we in America have begun to use abortion as a method of birth control. Now, I'm going to show you in a little while that the numbers are down a little bit, but one of the reasons the numbers are down is because the FDA has approved the morning-after pill, which essentially is birth control the morning after. We need to get a grip on where we are and where we stand as America and in what we're going to do about the unborn in this country. So why am I qualified to talk about this? Well, I think the first thing that qualifies me, um, and of course it's obvious that Jamie's a male and I'm a female, so that's an obvious thing, but one thing that qualifies me is I believe in the ministry of restoration. I started this message telling you that God is a redeemer and he loves you, and there's no sin that can separate you other than not receiving his forgiveness and his love. I believe in the ministry of restoration, and it's been my privilege to actually help two women who have had abortions to be in full-time ministry now. Over the past several years, they've not only forgiven themselves, but they've risen up into full-time ministry knowing that they are forgiven and their, their sins are blotted out as far as the East is from the West. I think the other thing that qualifies me to share this morning is that I've had a miscarriage. Um, I think it's more common than most of us realize or talk about, but when you're carrying a baby, and even if you have a miscarriage at um, two months or three months, which most abortions, nine out of ten abortions, occur during the first 12 weeks. Nine out of ten occur during the first 12 weeks, which is the first three months. And uh, if you've been through that, you know that the baby may be gone, but your heart is still in love with it. And so Larry and I, when we got pregnant, our first child, um, I miscarried that child at two months. And it took a while to get over that. 
and any woman in this congregation who's experienced miscarriages know that it's really hard to do with, deal with that. Uh, you still feel attached to the baby even though the baby's not there any longer. And so I think that's one thing that qualifies me because the one who's gone through an abortion, you never hear of the pain and the suffering that they go through. But these women who go through abortions, they may not have a baby to raise, but they have a wounded heart that has to be healed, and many times it never, ever gets healed. And so there's a lot of pain and suffering with miscarriage and with abortion. And I think the third thing that qualifies me, and I just want you all to receive this in the spirit that I'm sharing it, and um, <clears throat> I'm, not sharing it so you'll <clears throat> I'm not sharing it so you'll feel sorry for me, uh, but uh, my mom and dad uh, divorced when I was two years old, and one reason they divorced was so there would be no more babies. After me, my mom saved her money and filed for divorce because, see, she had become pregnant six years after my, old, my next brother had been born. She had a six-year-old boy, a 14-year-old boy, and a 16-year-old boy, and then I came along. My father was an abusive, alcoholic, drug addict in the 1950s, and that was not cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that was not cool, and when I she got pregnant with me, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know if it was consensual or rape, uh, but she got pregnant with me, and she was sick. She was sick emotionally, physically, spiritually, in every, in every area. She was so sick that she went to the hospital to have me aborted. The doctor had said, there's probably nothing else I can do for you. She was poor. She had three children already. She didn't um, need the fourth one. Um, back then, you didn't know if it was a boy or girl. She, she had no idea I'd be a girl. Uh, but she had three boys, and that was enough. And she went to the hospital to have me aborted. And there were no beds. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, while she was at the hospital, uh, my daddy came home. He would uh, intermittently come in, come out, whatever, in a drunken rage. And he so infuriated the neighbors that while she was trying to be at the hospital to abort me because she was sick, she was poor, and she couldn't get a hold of me and, and herself at the same time, uh, the neighbors called the police, and my dad was arrested for three months. And guess what happened during that three months? <laughs> I got my start. I got my start. And so um, I think one reason that I am qualified this morning to share with you is not only my love for the Word of God, which I'm going to share with you, but uh, because of those things, I think I've felt abortion on every level other than actually having one itself. And, um, you know, I, I look at my life and I think about what my mom did. My mom was so poor so that even though she had overcome the crisis of sickness and despair and abuse that she was in when she was contemplating having me aborted, um, she went to the hospital to have me on the welfare ward. There was no uh, spinal tap. There was no pain medicine. You know, she really suffered giving birth to me. If anyone deserved an abortion, she did. But that was not God's plan. 
Because God wanted me to be here, and he wanted you to be here, and he wanted these 15 acres to be here, and he wanted people around the world to hear the gospel. And so I'm just thankful for the price that my mom paid, and I'm thankful that I'm here. And, um, you know, it took great courage. And that night, uh, that night on the maternity ward and the charity ward, she gave birth to a little girl, and that was a surprise because she had no hand-me-downs for a little girl. She had hand-me-downs from three boys, but no hand-me-downs for a little girl. And so that night she said, Lord, if you'll give me the strength to raise her, I'll do it. But I give her to you. I can't do this on my own. It's the most wonderful prayer my mom ever prayed for me. She dedicated me to the Lord out of her despair. And he said, okay, I'll take her. (laughs) And he has been my daddy. He has been my daddy and the Holy Spirit's been my mom all these years. So I share that with you to say there are people who absolutely deserve an abortion. My mom was one of them. But there's a greater good, and there's a greater level of God's plan in this universe than our own individual needs. And you know, the thing about my mom is that everyone I lead to the Lord, everyone I lead into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, everyone I pray for deliverance with, everyone I pray for healing with, that goes to her eternal Lord reward because she gave birth to me. She's a part of my ministry every day. So our next slide, how big is this elephant? This elephant of abortion that we're talking about, how big is this elephant? Well, the number of yearly abortions was 1.05 million in 2012. Um, That was down from 1.21 million in 2008. And as I've already mentioned, the morning after pill is probably the reason for that, uh, for that difference. Now, on the bottom here, there's a www.numberofabortions.com. And I'm just going to ask Pastor Larry if he'll go ahead and uh, log on to that and set it. And we are actually going to count in the few remaining minutes of this message how many abortions have occurred as we sit here and as we study God's Word. Um, If you want to ever check nationwide, worldwide, what's going on, you can go to that counter. So the next slide is this. Since 1973, Roe v. Wade, when it was uh, approved by the Supreme Court, roughly 50 million legal induced abortions have been performed in the United States. So since 1973, 50 million have been uh, performed just in the United States. That's not worldwide, but just in the United States. So 50 million, how big is this elephant? 50 million, how do you wrap your head around 50 million? Well, any of you ever been to a college football game? Let's see, you've been to a college football game? Most of those stadiums are filled with about 90,000 people. About 90,000 people. That's the average attendance. So to put 50 million in perspective for you this morning, that's 556 stadiums full of aborted children. There's nothing to say about that. 
other than it stabs at the very heart of God, who is a God of adoption and a God of love. Our next uh, scriptures that I want to share with you come from King David. You know, King David was a man, the scripture said, that was after God's own heart. He's a man who knew God and loved God, and these are just a few of the scriptures that he says. The first one is in Psalms 22.9, which is also a prophetic scripture about Jesus and his crucifixion on the cross. It says, Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. So who brings safely, children safely from mother's wombs? God does. God does. He's in on that. If you've ever seen a live birth, I remember seeing a good number of my grandchildren born live and seeing that baby. Oh, my goodness. There's just no way to express seeing the live birth of a baby. It's just a life-changing experience. And you think, how in the world did that happen? How in the world did all that happen on the inside of that mommy's tummy? It's an amazing thing. It says, you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you. Where? Before I could even eat. Well, he was still at mother's breast. Psalms 51.6 says, but you desire honesty from the womb. Where does honesty and integrity begin? It begins on the very inside of a child, inside your womb. Teaching me wisdom, even there, even where? Inside that womb, that's where David said that he began to know wisdom and integrity. And the next screen is, you make me, you made me, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together where? In my mother's womb. Do you have any doubt that King David thought that he was not a fetus but a real baby on the inside of his mom? He was not only a real baby, he was a real baby in covenant relationship with a God who was loving him and teaching him. And I don't think that's changed, church. I don't think that's changed. Jesus has always said, let the little children come to me. Why? Because he already knew them already. He knew them before they were ever born. So that's Psalms 139.13. So Psalms 139.15 says this, You watched me as I was being formed. How precious is that? You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. People who tell you that God's not into babies and God knows nothing about them, they're just stupid. I mean, should I, could I find another way to say it other than that? I mean, King David said to us, the psalmist who loved God and was a man after God's own heart, I was woven together in the dark of the womb. He made my parts. He watched them being made in seclusion. And I believe that with my life. I believe that all the turmoil that was going on on the outside of my life, God was up there cheering in heaven saying, it's a girl. (laughs) He didn't care that I didn't have any clothes. I had plenty of hand-me-downs, and he didn't care, and I never suffered for anything. God was so faithful in my life. Our next scripture is from the prophet Isaiah, and I mean, man, did Isaiah have it in tight with the Lord? Was he someone who knew the heart of the Lord, past, present, and future? Isaiah prophesied of things that are still yet to come. And in Isaiah 41.1, he says this, The Lord's servant commissioned is just the caption. And says, listen to me, all you distant lands. Perhaps he was actually talking to us. Listen to me, all you distant lands. Pay attention, you who call, who are far away. 
The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. And so we have two great heroes of the faith who are saying God is in this birthing thing. He's in this baby-making thing. Now, we in our arrogance think it's a man and a woman who make a baby. Not. (laughs) Uh, We just experience the procedure. It's God who puts us together. It's God who forms us. It's God who's loved you from the very day that you were conceived. And he created man and woman so that you could be conceived. God is all about babies, and he watches and cheers from heaven. So Isaiah is cautioning us. He said, pay attention, you who far away are far away. The Lord called me from my birth. From within the womb, he called me by my name. So that's just a few of the scriptures. There are 36 scriptures in the Word of God that talk about the womb, which is actually uh, the baby-making oven. Can we call it that? And uh, so there's 36 scriptures, and those are just about six of those 36 scriptures. I encourage you to study it. If you have any doubt after this, study it. See what the Word of God says. We have been called from the womb by name, created by God. It's a precious thing. It's a precious thing to be a human being. So what we are talking about today is not only our experiences and the statistics statistics of what's going on in our country, but we're also talking about God's input into that and how he's called all of us. But I want to move now into this next um, PowerPoint because this is the spiritual force behind the abortion movement. And this is where I get a little testy. Uh, It makes me mad. I don't like the devil. I don't like his ways, his methods, his force. He's used denial, deception, ignorance to keep us um, thinking that abortion was okay. But this is out of Ephesians six ten through 12. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Now, if you underline your Bible, please underline that. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Um, So many times when we wrestle and when we struggle and when we fight, we think it's the person, right? I get mad at the person. And any time there's a wrestling and a strife, there's spiritual warfare going on. It's spiritual. It's not just natural. And uh, so that has to be pulled down. It says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So as he admonishes us to put on the whole armor of God, he says, remember this always. It's not flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers and spiritual darkness. The devil would like nothing more than for me to have been aborted. I've been one of his worst nightmares. And I plan to be even more vile on the morrow. (laughs) If he can abort a nation, then he doesn't have to deal with them and he doesn't have to give them an opportunity to know a living God who's redeemed them. This is spiritual warfare. 
We may think it's politics. We may think it's greed. We may think it's all those things. But it's spiritual warfare. And it is big and it is major. And you know why it's major? Because abortion stabs at the very heart of God. Because God is a God of adoption. God is a God of adoption. When I talk to children who have been, have been adopted, I say to you, oh, you're the most special of all children because you were chosen. You were handpicked. The scripture says in First Peter, but you are a chosen generation, handpicked, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, the heart of God is adoption. When you were born again, what happened is you were adopted. You were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son by the spirit of God and through the paid ransom of the blood of Jesus Christ. And abortion, can you see how abortion is diabolically opposed to that? Abortion says it's better to be dead than to be unwanted. Well, that the first lie is that you're ever unwanted. God loves you, and he wants all men. He says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the Christ. So you can tell how passionately I feel about this. Romans 8. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Paul understood it, David understood it, Isaiah understood it. Now we call him Abba Father, or Daddy Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In other words, we inherit everything in the kingdom. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Now, the word for glory there is fatness. So did you know that you inherited God's fatness? There's no austerity program in the kingdom of God. You know, we need to walk around saying, I'm fat, I'm fat, da-da-da, right? I'm fat with the glory of God. If you're an adopted child of God, you, you be fat <laughs> with the glory of God. It's yours. You just reach up and take it. Say, Father God, I wake up this morning and I just receive your glory. I receive your fatness, your goodness. Everything in my life revolves around you and who you are. So the heart of God, the character of God, the integrity of God, the very essence of a God who is a God of love is adoption, not abortion. So I hope this morning, and I need to close out, I hope this morning you have seen the elephant that's in the room. Have you seen it? 50 million babies since 1973. 556 stadiums full of aborted babies. Every year, 12 stadiums full of aborted babies. This needs to stop, church. We need to quit being afraid. We need to put on the whole armor and begin to come against this diabolical spirit of abortion that comes against the kingdom of God, the children of God, and the very heart of God.
Amen. Amen. So, anytime you wrestle, those strong hands have to be pulled down in prayer. We as a church, we support the Pregnancy Center here in Thomasville every month. We give, we serve, we do the walk, we raise funds. We as a church should reach out to those who are in crisis. Um, I'm so thankful for the folks who reached out to my mom. I don't know who they are, but I'm thankful for them. I'm so thankful for those who gave me the hand-me-downs I wore most of my life. I'm so thankful for those who invested in me. And we need to move out of our ivory towers and reach out and help people who are desperate and in need. We can't tell them not to have an abortion unless we're willing to help them make it through the crisis that they're in. And then those who are using abortion as just a form of birth control, we need to rebuke them lovingly in the name of the Lord and said, if you don't want a baby, don't do it. We need to raise the standard. Amen? Amen. You stand to your feet.